Welcome to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I'm your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet. And today we're going to talk about illegal immigration. Uh, that has been the topic uh, in the news all weekend, or at least that's what they tell me. I don't really watch the news because uh, it strikes me as a lot of propaganda when it comes in the you know 24 hours televised format and most of the major major uh, media outlets that are uh, reporting on the news your CNNs your Fox your MSNBC I even Fox I'm sorry uh, I, I think it might just be a, a red flavored Kool-Aid versus <laughs> uh, a blue flavored Kool-Aid uh, but illegal immigration is uh, apparently a big deal and uh, the Democrats have been trying to paint the current policy of uh, enforcing immigration laws in America as racist uh, since before Trump even took office. And I'm sure if they could uh, pin any and every instance of abuse uh, towards foreigners in America forever, to Donald Trump and blame him for those things even before he was born, even before he was president. I'm sure they would jump at that uh, because that's just how deranged and uh, dishonest they are, uh, reaching for any little thing uh, and making any little thing seem much bigger than it actually is by projecting it everywhere. But, uh, you know, the, the latest thing is that illegal immigrants crossing the border into the U.S. Uh, who, you know, if you've got adults with children and the, the adults and the children are split up, obviously, if they're crossing into the country illegally, then our laws have been broken. And as is the case, whenever uh, even an American citizen breaks the law, uh, when the person breaking the law, the adult breaking the law, is arrested, uh, the children are separated. They're put into some kind of a foster care, or they're they're being cared for by uh, the I think it's uh, HHS, Health and Homeland Security, and uh, and so the Democrats are are trying to turn this into. Trump breaking up immigrant families just to try and get the wall paid for, get the wall built, the wall with Mexico. Uh, and oh, by the way, walls are racist, unless you're the Pope. Uh, the Vatican has a huge wall around it that was built hundreds of years ago uh, to protect the uh, papal palace from uh, marauding Muslim armies that were trying to conquer Europe. But that's that's not racist. That's not right. that's okay. He can criticize uh, those who build walls instead of bridges from behind his wall. Uh, you know these billionaires that support open borders. Uh, you'll find, ironically, uh, or not surprisingly, their own uh, usually rather large uh, estates, mansions. Uh, you know if they have. Uh, a large piece of acreage uh, overlooking a beach, uh, overlooking the mountains, uh, wherever 
who typically have walls and uh, fences and gates and uh, security guards and people like that that are there. They are paid to keep folks out who uh, are not invited, who <laughs> whose property that is not. Uh, and so it's it's funny to be. I mean, we appreciate uh, the walls on our own house, right? You know, my home has walls on all sides, and then uh, all of the walls have windows uh, if they are uh, external walls. And then I have three doors in my house. I've got a side door, front door, a garage door. And those doors have locks. And because I own the property, I get to decide who comes into my house. And if somebody comes into my house who is not invited, they are trespassing. And uh, I have the right to disinvite them. Now, you know, why is it that uh, even the wealthy supporters of open borders uh, lacks immigration or really no immigration laws? Uh, why is it that a lot of those same folks, uh, why is it that they have walls with gates around their big properties? Uh, why is it that they would call the cops if somebody was trying to climb in through their bedroom window? Uh, you know, if, they, if they found somebody swimming in their pool who they didn't know, you know, some homeless person, some uh, overly enthusiastic fan, they would call the cops, and the cops would come and arrest them. And if if somebody was on their property and had, you know, let's say was swimming in their pool, you know, hey, this is a really nice pool. I don't have a pool like this in my yard, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, I'm going to come swim in your pool. And oh, by the way, I brought my children too. They've got their floaties and they've got the lemonade. And, and look how much fun they're having. Are you just, you're just trying to break up my family. If you call the police, that the police come and arrest me for trespassing and then take my children into custody until I can be uh, tried and sentenced or released or whatever. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you're, you're just, you're trying to split up immigrant families or, or whatever, you know, that's no, we don't think in those terms and yet somehow because of the mass, uh, manipulation, which those major media outlets, uh, that are covering this story round the clock are capable of what they're bent on and what they're very, very good at, uh, you know, pushing our buttons, pulling the levers, all that, helping to, to pluck our heartstrings for the Democrats who are then going to swoop in and uh, present themselves as the, the compassionate alternative. You know, I, I, I just find it odd that we don't have a similar kind of thinking. It's not racist at all. I mean, if I'm a, a white person in this country and I break into Mark Zuckerberg's backyard uh, if I've got my children with me, it's not racist if I get arrested and my children are put into foster care between now and, and when I can be, you know, tried and sentenced or released or whatever. 
That's not racist. So why would it be racist if a Latino family or an Arabic family or an African family or an Asian family or any any family whatsoever, any family of human beings from all over the earth or across the border with Mexico into the U.S. and for ICE to, uh, to separate the parents from the children. And, and that is to say, too, also, you know, I was reading two different articles in the National Review this morning. So I was trying to brush up on it. I didn't realize this was a, a thing. I didn't realize it was going to be the, the flavor of the month or the flavor of the week. The, you know, this is the thing that everybody's outraged about. They even see conservative people that I know, you know, taking to Facebook to say that, you know, this is a moral outrage, you know, children and parents being split up. I am not for that. I'm, you know, that really affected them. Whatever the coverage is that I'm not watching must, must have really gotten to them. Uh, but I, you know, I wanted to familiarize myself. And so I, I came across these two National Review articles, and I I think the National Review is a, a pretty serious, pretty legit uh, publication. Uh, I think they they really put time and attention and, and scholarship into uh, most of the stuff they write, even when I don't fully agree with it. I know David French is somebody that uh, I haven't really appreciated his uh, critiques, criticisms of Donald Trump. And, and those who support Donald Trump. But, uh, you know, one of the articles was uh, from David French uh, talking about Senator Ted Cruz introducing some legislation that would uh, address this issue of kids being separated from their parents when they cross into the country illegally. Uh, there's also, you know, an, an article by Rich Lowry, uh, which is actually from... Uh, a few weeks back, it was, uh, May 28th, and the title is The Truth About Separating Kids. And uh, I'll spare you a summary because he, he gets into a lot of specific laws and uh, years. Uh, but, you know, the, the quick, uh, relevant synopsis for what he's saying is that basically – uh, this is the way it's been. This, this policy is not a Trump invention. This is something that Congress needs to address. They, you know, pressure should be put on Congress. Uh, they need to change the, the laws or come up with a solution. And really a broader solution to the broken immigration system uh, needs to be implemented. It shouldn't just be crisis management, we react to heartstrings being plucked, children being separated from their, their parents. And isn't that upsetting? Uh, yes, it is upsetting, but uh, you know, I mean, so is cancer, but that doesn't mean that you just slap a Band-Aid on cancer because that's going to make you feel better. I'm just going to kiss your boo-boo, pat you on the head, all better? You know, like I do with my kids. Well, if you've got cancer, you need a little bit more than a Band-Aid. Maybe a Band-Aid gets you to calm down and stop being hysterical for a little bit so I can think. But, uh, you know, what, what's needed is, is something a little bit more more drastic. Uh, and I think this, so also with uh, immigration policy in America. Uh, 
you know, and here's a question too for everybody. I mean, whether you you think that we should keep people from certain countries out, or whether you think we should have just completely open borders, you know, is there any scenario in which uh, a uh, you would say that the the Democrats are are right if you're Republican? Or that you could see their point, or you sympathize, or whatever. And B, is there any scenario in which you could say, uh, I mean, just just if you if you're polarized about this issue because you're left or you're right, you're Republican or you're Democrat or what have you, is there a, a point at which you could concede? Yeah, I see their I see their uh, their side of things. I, I can sympathize. Uh, maybe there's something we can we can do we can work out there. Uh, it seems to me like a lot of this stuff uh, isn't solved, not for lack of of good solutions being available, but for uh, lack of a, a desire or a willingness for the other side to get credit, or because both sides to some extent benefit from the controversy from the drama you know the 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 chaos of the moment is going to provide opportunities to then push through stuff that uh, just doesn't make sense I'll note too I mean forgive me here uh, if you keep hearing me sniffle that is uh, because my allergies are acting up a little bit <laughs> I, I did some cleaning at uh, our office here in uh, Sydney yesterday. There were kind of some moldy, damp, uh, you know, decomposing leaves, grass that uh, I was trying to clear out of our uh, storage area, yard, fenced-in yard area behind the office. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think I think working with that stuff it kind of gave me a little bit of a, a runny nose and uh, congestion and whatnot today but uh no i mean back to this immigration thing i mean you've got uh this crisis or this uh turmoil this back and forth where you know as long as each side can point to the other side and say hey those guys are you know the villains and i'm you know i'm your hero uh but if you know if everybody were okay uh, you know, it, it makes it much harder to, to present yourself as uh, the antidote. And hey, you know, vote for me next time around. Um, you know, on top of that, you've got uh, Democrats counting on uh, illegal immigration boosting their numbers, you know, their their roles, uh, and giving them a, a wider representation uh, in government. Uh, you know, if California or some of these other Democratic states, if they see an uptick in population because of uh, lax uh, laws and enforcement of laws with regards to immigration, illegal immigration, uh, then they get greater representation. And, you know, if some of these illegal immigrants are also illegally voting because, hey, you know, what's one more law to break, uh, then you could have... The, the politicians that are in favor of that kind of stuff, of, of illegal 
immigration of sanctuary cities and whatnot. Uh, you, I mean, you obviously you, you see the you see what's going on there. Uh, you know, in the case of uh, Donald Trump, uh, you know, if he is saying, "Hey, let's enforce immigration laws," well, then the Democrats could hang that uh, around his neck as well, and around the necks of all the Republicans, and just say, "Hey, whoa, you guys are heartless and cruel, and how dare you?" And oh, no, 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 pay no pay no attention to the fact that. These laws have been in the books under administrations, Republican and Democrat, for years and years. Pay no attention to the fact that, you know, separating children from their parents when uh, they cross into the country illegally, that that was done under the Obama administration as well. Uh, and that we we didn't object to it back then or, or you know, make it into some big scandal. No, 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 no. We're, we're counting on the fact that most people are low information and even when this is the topic of the moment, they're only going to read the headlines and they're going to watch the 30 second videos of uh, poor children uh, crying for their mothers in detention centers or what have you. And they're going to take the out of context, uh, outdated pictures and, uh, and run with those and, and assume that whatever CNN and MSNBC and, and, the rest of the alphabet soup is telling them is correct. You know, it, it, it strikes me as uh, too convenient that this is uh, a political football. And quite honestly, I just, I find all of that manipulation and uh, the, the back and forth where the Republicans are going to be, uh, against it, the Democrats are going to be for it. I find it kind of tedious, uh, insofar as it, it's clearly just uh, red versus blue, or blue versus red, or what have you. Uh, I think you know more than just red versus blue. We need to have some kind of a basic understanding or, or moral clarity about the issue of illegal immigration. And so that's, that's why me personally, when I think about it, I'm thinking in terms of my front door. I have a lock on my front door. I'm not racist. I'm not uh, discriminatory in a bad sense, right? If I say I'm okay with certain people coming into my home, I might even give certain people the access code to my front door. If they say, Hey, I was going to drop this thing off for you or, Hey, can I pick that thing up from, from your house? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, we're not home. We're actually out of town this weekend. But here's the code for my front door because it's a digital access uh, or, or what have you. I mean, it's a, it's a there's a code you could punch in. You don't have to have a key. And so here it is because I trust you. And, uh, yeah, come go right in. And, and this is where it's at. It's on the table. It's on my desk, whatever. This thing that you're wanting to pick up. Or you could just put it on the desk, put it on the table. This thing you're dropping off. You know, I think of immigration laws in terms of, of a door. My house has a door. My house has windows. My house has walls. Uh, I own property, and I have the right to say who enters my property and who does not. And if people that I say are not allowed on my property or on my property, they're doing things that are harmful to me or my family, I have the right to remove them from my property. Uh <laughs> and so I and so I will. Um, 
you know, I, I think, uh, you know, look, we've got countries all over the world that put up walls. Uh, I just saw that uh, Turkey uh, is building or has built uh, a major long, long wall on the border with Syria uh, because they're trying to control who comes into their country. And because, understandably, and rightly so, they're concerned about some of the people who might come into their country from Syria. Uh, it's a 764-kilometer border wall, according to Paul Joseph Watson's uh, post from yesterday. Uh, the wall is funded by the European Union, of all things, and somehow that's not racist. Now, is it not racist because it's the EU that's funding it? And that gives it credibility. Is it not racist because it's Turkey building it? Is that what makes it not racist? Uh, if, if this is uh, America and you just replace the word Turkey with America and you replace uh, funded by the EU with funded by Mexico. Mexico is going to pay for the wall, by the way. Remember that. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, it, why does that suddenly become racist? I mean, and, and really, too, I mean, riddle me this. How is it that America is racist? Fundamentally, you think about all the countries of the world. I mean, is, is there a country more diverse, more tolerant, more accepting of – I mean, and you can always find little pockets of people – who are going to disagree and they're going to dislike so-and-so. And the Scotch-Irish aren't going to necessarily uh, be the biggest fans of the English. Uh, you know, the, the, the Koreans, the Japanese may not be the best buddies. The Palestinians and the Israelis might not be the best buddies. You know, if they, if they all immigrate to this country and they're living next door to each other, they may not uh, be best of friends. Or they might. You know, because America is that kind of a place. And that is the, the, the understanding when you come to America is that there's something here that you were not going to get back in your home country. That's why you came. Uh, whether it is security, whether it's uh, political stability, whether it is uh, laws being uh, fair uh, and enforced uh, in, in a uniform way, whether it's economic opportunity, which, by the way, the economic opportunity is absolutely uh, joined at the hip with the laws of the culture of this country. Did you know that? Uh, you know, if you, if you had the culture uh, of Saudi Arabia here in America, you would not have the economy that America has. If you had the, the culture uh, of Venezuela here in America, you would not have the economy. You would not have the economic opportunity that America has. And really, that's that's what it's about. I mean, and even even you, it's not about a certain race of people. If you had the the culture of North Korea, if you had the culture of Afghanistan, if you had the culture of Nicaragua, uh, it's not about non-whites if you if you had the culture of uh you know let's say italy you know uh 
you would not have the culture, you would not have the uh, economic opportunity that America has right now. And I think that, you know, on on the the left side, maybe there's people that really, really genuinely believe that there's no difference between culture and race. Uh, You know, I would encourage anybody who thinks that way, I mean, compare and contrast the Dominican Republic with Haiti. You know, two nations on the same island, which at one point had the exact same uh, geography, the same uh, environment, shall we say. Let's put it that way. You know, this this, uh, tropical island, you've got presumably the same natural resources, the same uh, opportunity. And because... Uh, those two countries were founded on different premises and had different uh, choices that they made. The, the peoples made different choices. You have very different uh, – now you have a very different environment. Now you don't have the same uh, natural resources because one side uh, has over-harvested you – know, Haiti has over-harvested trees, uh, which has caused all kinds of issues with – Soil erosion. Uh, you know, the other side was a better steward. Uh, the other side, you know, Dominican Republic has much more political stability. Uh, people actually want to go there on vacation versus, you know, people only going when there's a disaster because uh, people are not able to take care of themselves, even in good times, much less when there's a crisis, when there's an emergency. Uh, you know, look also, North Korea and South Korea, you know, do a compare and contrast. You know, one country, you've got selling uh, TVs to the world. Uh, the other side uh, can't even feed its own people. And when its hungry people are hard to control or when they criticize the government, they get worked to death at camps. Uh, you know, that's that's a, an issue of culture. It's not, a, not an issue of race. You know, Korean people south of uh, the line, north of the line, same ethnicity. But, uh, you know, even there, you know, over, over time, there, there's a, a big difference just because people are fed differently. You know, one side's hungry while the other side is well fed. One side is always stressed out because they live in constant fear of a tyrannical government, and, and then just, you know the stress of that causes them to uh, develop in different ways or not develop in certain ways, as well as they might if they lived in a peaceful, tranquil country that had political and social stability, that had liberty, that had freedom, that had you know all of these things. You know, it's like uh, it's like if you took two plants. And you you put them in uh, pots. And one pot is twice as big as the other. You know, if you give them enough time to grow, one plant is going to grow potentially much bigger. If you give them all all things being equal as far as uh, the nutrients in the soil, as far as watering, as far as uh, access to sunlight, as far as, you know, protection from uh, harsh weather. One plant is going to be able to grow much bigger because it's got more room to grow. 
And that's how it goes with liberty as well. And I think that's why a lot of people want to move to America is because our culture and our laws and our laws, you know, politics is, is downstream from culture. Uh, our laws are derived from our sentiments as a people and uh, our sentiments as a people are based on uh, our culture, our traditions, our values. Uh, those, if you go back, uh, are based in a very uh, great part on Protestant uh, thinking. You know, the, the reformers who decided, hey, we're not going to be Catholic anymore. Uh, those guys and what they wrote and the, the things that they started in motion intellectually and culturally uh, absolutely created America. And without the Protestant Reformation, there would be no America. You, you have in South America a very different uh, collection of countries that have huge wealth. I mean, the, the South American countries, Brazil, uh, Venezuela, all these countries have huge amounts of natural resources at their fingertips. Uh, great advantages as far as that's concerned developed very differently. Uh, I think in large part because of the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism. Uh, I think the, the, the trend towards self-government in America is absolutely uh, a result of Protestantism. Uh, you know, where you have each individual say, hey, I don't agree with the Pope on this, uh, I don't see that in the Bible. I'm reading the Bible for myself because Martin Luther said I could, because Martin Luther read the Bible for himself. And he, I'm listening to what he's saying. It makes sense. You know, John Calvin read the Bible for himself. And so I'm listening to what he said. And, and you get all these different guys who are saying, you know, hey, we, we want to live according to the dictates of our conscience. So we're going to have to live in a place where we're free to do that. <laughs> You know, imagine a hypothetical where you get 10 guys coming on a boat over to America and each of them have a different conscience. They're reading the Bible just a little bit differently. And those 10 guys say, hey, I want to live in a place where I'm free and I'm not punished uh, for trying to obey the dictates of my conscience. And so then they boil it down and they say, you know what, how about we come up with a constitution? How about we come up with a uh, contract, social contract where we're going to say, that we're free to do these things. You know, as long as you don't go murdering one another. Don't go stealing from one another. Don't go lying and defrauding one another. Uh, you know, stuff, basic stuff like that. But you, you will be free to worship according to the dictates of your conscience. And and that's how you got America. Versus you know the 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 countries that stayed firmly within the, the Catholic fold and violently suppressed. Protestantism, and then came over to the New World, and then they settled in South America. Uh, they imposed government and culture uh, and, and economy uh, on those countries that was much more top-down, and which to this day uh, still is inclined more towards strongmen at the top. You know that that has a desire for dictators that has uh you know even when uh, it has a resentment for them it has a 
what shall you call it, passive uh, acquiescence, acceptance of dictators. Because generally, generationally and culturally, you have uh, a shrugging of the shoulders, if you will, about papal uh, abuses, about uh, abuses of priests, about uh, you know the domination uh, of the Roman Catholic Church. You know, yeah, if it's corrupt at different times, if it really gets on our nerves, if it doesn't look much like Jesus and the Bible at several points, yeah, that's obnoxious. But what do you do? You know, and so the, the cultures that were built by people who shrugged their shoulders about all that kind of stuff, about corruption, about uh, being arbitrary, about uh, strong men at the top telling everybody else how it's going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, lo and behold, uh, those cultures have produced uh, the the governments, the uh, instability, the the. It, it, it's not a question of uh, potential in South American countries. It is a question of uh, stability, of liberty, uh, of not just the ability to self-govern, but a desire to self-govern. And I believe that desire to self-govern, which was so absolutely central to uh, the America uh, story, the, the story of the 13 colonies uh, what is now the United States of America, that came from Protestantism. It came from uh, Christians who objected to this top-down, this is how it's going to be from popes and councils. You know, it, it, them saying, hey, wait a second, I can read the Bible for myself. How about we organize our church like this? How about we teach this? How about we live like this? Because that's what I read in my Bible. Oh, you read something different? Well, why don't you you can go have your church over there. We're going to have our church over here. You're going to not uh, punish us. We're not going to punish you. We're going to get along. You know, uh, it, it's no wonder too. You know, when it comes to the Democrats hoping that illegal immigrants coming into the U.S. from Latin America will vote Democrat, it's no wonder uh, that that is their expectation and that that is the reality because uh, even when, he, when Latinos, uh, South Americans are uh, fleeing the consequences of the corrupt governments uh, of the countries from, from whence they come, uh, they still bring an acceptance oftentimes of that way of ruling, of that way of operating. And so then they come to the U.S. and, hey, lo and behold, we're, we're still enjoying the benefits of a republic, uh, even as the, the Democrats are progressing us more and more towards socialism. But because it's not full-blown socialism, a lot of these Latinos are saying, hey, you know what? I've seen worse. It's not so bad. Yeah, I'll vote with the Democrats if that's what gets me in here. You know, never mind that undermining the Republican form of government that America uh, was founded. Uh, you know, that, 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 that will uh, erode the liberties that I'm coming to this country to enjoy. Never mind that that's going to make this country more like the country that I've uh, fled. If you just give it, give it add time, 
<laughs> just add water, just add time. Uh, you know, so, but, but all of that too, I mean, even, even that uh, is somewhat beside the point. I think it helps us to understand some of, of why the political parties in America act the way that they do about these issues. Uh, but uh, I don't know that that really gives us absolute clarity on the question of, you know, what should our immigration policy be? Uh, you could say, well, our immigration policy should be, unless you have permission to come into the country, you're not invited. And that's, uh, you know, if, if our country is like a house or like your, your private property, you know, this country belongs to us as a people and we have the right as a people to say who from other places gets to come in uh, and who doesn't, you know, my, my kids, they don't have to ask for permission to come in through the front door. They're my children. They're my family. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is their property too. Even if it's in my name, even if I'm the one who's going to be relaying the instructions to people that uh, try to come in who are not invited or whatever, my children don't have to ask. My wife doesn't have to ask for permission. They don't knock. They just come right in. Uh, you know, other people's children, I can uh, care about them. I can be compassionate uh, without feeling like they have a right to just come into my house without knocking. You know, if they come in and I'm going to say, well, I'm compassionate towards these other other people's children that live up the street and they don't have an Xbox One and my kids have an Xbox One. And so I'm just going to let these kids from up the street come into my house and, you know, if they're rude to my children, then, uh, well, you know, I just, I don't want to be, I don't want to tell them to knock that off. I mean, they're, they're just children, you know, well, so are my children. <laughs> uh, what about my children? Is it okay for me to protect my children? If, uh, you know, if a kid from up the street says, Hey, I don't have an Xbox one. I'm going to come into your house. I'm going to punch your son in the nose. I'm going to steal his Xbox one and take it home because I don't have one. Uh, you know, at me as a parent, do I just say, oh, oops, you know, I guess that was an unintended consequence, you know. No, <laughs> uh, I have a responsibility to not let that kind of stuff happen, uh, to deal with it, to address it if it is happening. And that's where, you know, when you do a comparing contrast between the, the Democrats and the Republicans, you know, all this rhetoric about dreamers and about you know, do it for the children. They show you pictures of immigrant children. Uh, you know, that's well and good. I don't think anybody's saying, uh, let's have a disdain for, let's not care about immigrant children. But who's showing the pictures of our children? Right? Uh, you know, at, at any time, you know, Trump got uh, roasted over the fire, or an attempt was made anyway for referring to uh, some of the people that are coming into this country as uh, animals. And it's just, oh, 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 racist. He's a racist. Uh, well, wait a second. You know, the question that the reporter asked very clearly, if, uh, if that soundbite hadn't been cut off before, <laughs> uh, you know, it was played uh, a million times in three days. Also, that was a, a flavor of the, moment that was the crisis of the moment that everybody needed to react to and repudiate donald trump for 
but uh, you know, the, the question from the reporter very clearly was about gang members from other countries coming into the U.S. illegally and what's being done about that. And so Trump says, yeah, these, these are the worst people. You can't even imagine we are getting the worst people out of here. Uh, they are animals. Uh, well, you know, you do a quick search of MS-13 and the kinds of things that they do to uh, people that cross them, or people they want to make an example of. Um, absolutely the most violent, vicious, brutal, murderous, cruel, barbaric, gang uh, group of people you could possibly imagine. And then you look at pictures of them, and they're tattooed. Absolutely every square uh, foot of their body is tattooed, and uh, they do not look like uh, these little cute, adorable little Latino children crying for their mothers. Uh, they look like uh, sci-fi uh, aliens from another planet who uh, are here to <laughs> drink your blood. And that, that's what they look like. Uh, and MS-13, you know, calling them animals, I, I agree with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It, it, it maybe is a little bit uh, unfair to the animals because animals, I don't think, even are, as a rule, as cruel, as barbarous uh, as MS-13 is, as a rule, on purpose, intentionally, by design, in a methodical, terroristic way. You know, we could say, too, I mean, hey, hey, here's a question. What about terrorists? I mean, are we okay with just having an open borders policy when, uh, you know, 9-11 hijackers jumped on planes took them over with box cutters and flew them into buildings full of people. You know, thousands of people died. Are we okay with uh, terrorists, ISIS, just coming over the border, coming into this country, coming into communities, uh, cutting people's heads off, blowing themselves up in supermarkets, uh, stabbing veterans, raping women? Are we okay with that? Uh, you know, it, obviously we should not be. And if you're confused about that, if you hem and haw for even a moment, uh, I don't want to hear what you have to say about immigration. I really don't. I don't care one ounce for your judgment because you have no moral clarity because it, you just, you're very confused and I'm not, <laughs> we're not going to agree. Uh, and you, all that's going to happen with you and I talking is going to be that you uh, waste my time, right? And I doubt very much if you can't uh, understand the basics of, of keeping ISIS out of uh, the U.S. or keeping MS-13 out of the U.S., how that's a good thing for everybody, how that's decent. That is a praiseworthy thing that we should be about and we should support. If you can't understand that, then I got nothing for you. <laughs> um, but you know, I, mean, I, I would hearken back to, I mean, for Christians who are going to say, and I, I read one, uh, earlier today, uh, his name is Tobias. He's a friend of mine from Nebraska and Tobias posted something uh, about immigration and he's very concerned that immigration laws, uh, 
are, are violating what the Old Testament says about being hospitable to uh, sojourners. And so he, he quotes, he has a, a pretty lengthy uh, Facebook post up uh, last night. He quotes uh, Exodus 12, 49, there shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who, sojour who sojourns among you. Uh, Leviticus 19, 33 to 34, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Numbers 15, 15 to 16, for the assembly, there shall be one statute for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you, a statute forever throughout your generations. You and the sojourner shall be alike before the Lord. One law and one rule shall be for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you. Uh, Deuteronomy 27, 19, he's got quite a few verses here. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner the fatherless and the widow, and then all the people shall say amen. Uh, Exodus twenty two twenty one. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him. You know, and, and so on and so forth. I mean, you, you get the, the picture. The big idea here is that the sojourner is the immigrant, and we can say illegal immigrant. The Bible makes no distinction. And just a little bit of backstory too. Uh, I know Tobias. Uh, through my, my wife's family. Uh, they are uh, Presbyterians, live in the Omaha area. Uh, very uh, respectable people. Uh, I like them a lot. Uh, very libertarian people. Uh, you know, we visited their church a time or two, saw a lot of Ron Paul bumper stickers in the parking lot. Uh, and they, they believe you know, biblically speaking, that, you know, God not only uh, gives us uh, limits on what the laws should be, you know, like the law should not uh, contradict, you know, our, our, our civil laws should not contradict what the Bible says. They also believe that, or some of them do anyway, I know, I know Josh does, uh, Josh is, is my wife's uh, cousin, uh, one, of, one of her cousins. Uh, you know, if, if a law of man today in America, say about immigration, if we cannot find a similar law in the Bible, in the Old Testament, then it's an unjust law that the civil government doesn't have a right to make. And so then, uh, if the civil government is doing things like uh, arresting people uh, who break those laws that uh, they're not allowed, they don't have the authority to make, uh, that's actually kidnapping. Uh, if the government gets in a shootout with somebody because they're trying to arrest him, kidnap him, and he resists, uh, and they, if, they, if the government kills that person they were trying to arrest or kidnap, if you will, then uh, that is murder. And, uh, and so immoral, and so we have uh, no right to support that. Uh, absolutely should not. We should oppose it, be against it. And so in that sense, that that is uh, how they are libertarians. 
which is really interesting. It, it was, it's very intriguing. Uh, I, I disagree with them on several points, and yet I can still admire them and respect them for their convictions. And I've had uh, a number of debates with uh, Josh and some of uh, his siblings and some of the other folks from their church uh, disagreeing about this. But, you know, one question that I have, I mean, with regards to, um, you know, the sojourner, you know, let's just automatically assume that that is uh, illegal immigrants. And so therefore, you're not allowed to have immigration policy. Therefore, you're not allowed to control who comes into and who leaves your country. Um, you know, for, for one thing, I'm not convinced that governments are being unjust anytime they make a law that is not found in the Bible. Now, I do think you know, strong cases can be made philosophically uh, for limiting the number of laws that we have just for expedience sake, for the sake of maximizing liberty, for the sake of not uh, oppressing people, not suppressing uh, innovation, economic growth, happiness, etc. But uh, you know, beyond that too, I mean, you, you read the Old Testament, you see Israel interacting with nations around Israel. And if you read history, you see you know, one people group and another people group living side by side. You've got, you know, borders. What is the point of borders uh, if a government is not uh, able to decide what happens within them? You know, up to and including, you know, you're not within these borders. You're not allowed here. You you get out <laughs> uh, because you're you're not from here. Uh, and we and you're if you're a criminal if you're breaking laws at the at a bare minimum, you know let's let's suppose we could say, hey somebody doesn't have a criminal record, they're wanting to come here from Venezuela or wherever uh, because Venezuela's messed up, and you know they're they're trying to provide for their family, trying to get you know uh, flee starvation and political oppression, etc. Uh, you know, as long as they don't have a criminal record, tattoos all over their face, uh, bombs strapped to their chest, whatever, then you know, let's let them in. Um, I think that's, by and large, what we've been doing as a country. I think. Um, I'm not so sure that uh, it makes sense to do that forever. Uh, you know, I think, too, there's a... A video that I watched a while back, I don't remember the name of the professor, but he actually he takes and he illustrates the problem of immigration policies of letting people in because their home countries are messed up uh, out of compassion. You know, we just have to we have to rescue them from that. Uh, you know, he illustrates that with, with gumballs and he shows you know relative populations, uh, you know, how many people are coming in, how many people are already in this country. You know, there's a certain jar or, or whatever of gumballs that's a certain size. And then, you know, eventually by the end of it, he's showing you, here's how many gumballs there are in the whole world. And do we expect that letting this many people in is going to, I mean, what about all the rest of them? You know, the other 7 billion or whatever. You, you can't let all 7 billion people of the world come to America. 
uh, or else there really won't be any difference between America and the rest of the world. And all of a sudden you haven't made the rest of the world a better place. You've just made America a worse place, right? Uh, in, in long-term thinking, you know, if the kid up the street, if he is a jerk and he comes into my house, he punches my kid and that makes him happy. And I'm just going to say, well, I feel bad for that kid. He's just miserable. Otherwise I don't want to, you know, and I don't want to yell at him for punching my kid in the face or stop him the next time he tries it. Uh, you know, I haven't made that kid up the street. I haven't made his life any better. If I let him do that kind of stuff, let him come into my house anytime he likes, leave when he, whenever he likes, take and tear up whatever he likes. I haven't made his life any better. Uh, I've just made my kid's life a nightmare. And I have abdicated my responsibility if I'm not putting a stop to that and addressing that. And I, you know, it's all well and good to do something nice for the kid up the street. And I believe we should. Right? I'm, I am absolutely in favor of that. Uh, but first and foremost, you know, I believe we have spheres of responsibility. God puts us in charge of, he doesn't expect us to be sovereign, uh, responsible for absolutely everybody and everyone all at the same time. Uh, he's responsible. God is sovereign and he brings people into our lives. You know, your neighbor at the moment might be just one person person standing right beside you what can you do for that person right now what do you need to do maybe you maybe you can do all kinds of things but what should you do you know uh, you know if if the kid up the street says hey i like your shoes to my kid i'm just going to take your shoes well now my kid doesn't have shoes well, now, now what are we going to do about that i can't afford to buy shoes for every kid in the whole world and first and foremost, I'm responsible for my children. If I, now, if I could buy shoes for my children and also the kid up the street who doesn't have nice shoes, okay, great. You know, And God bless the, the Democrats. Uh, if instead of wanting to impose on the whole country this uh, you know, uh, obligation uh, to invite the whole world into America and then be called a racist if you object to that, you know, if the Democrats said, hey, we really care about uh, children from Latin America, and so we're going to do something. Individually, as citizens, we are free because that's the idea, right? As Americans, the economic opportunity, the liberty, the political stability, all that kind of stuff, you are free to then uh, go start a business, make some money, make lots of money, keep your money, spend your money the way you see fit. And if the way that you see fit is you're going to help take care of uh, immigrants, sojourners, uh, refugees, if you're going to try and be helpful in their home countries or advocate for uh, some positive reform or, or support missions, you know, because that's, that's what it is. That's the contrast, right? You've got one side saying, hey, we need to do something about this. And by do something, we mean the government needs to change policies change the laws in a more socialistic sense take your money and use your money to fund a response to this even if you don't think that's the right response even if it's a poorly executed response even if you don't have the money we're going to take your shoes and give them to the kid up the street 
because he doesn't have any shoes. Well, now I don't have any shoes. You know, so how's that going to work? How about this instead? You know, how about uh, I am responsible to take care of my children and I'll take care of my children and you leave me free to make choices and to invest my time and my abilities and my money. You, you don't take a quarter of my money or more out of my pocket uh, every paycheck. You leave that money in my hands so that I can spend it as I see fit to take care of my children. And then as I build and grow wealth and I'm wise and I'm able to invest and I'm able to experiment and try different things and see what works, come up with inventions, build successful businesses, all of a sudden I'm going to have more disposable income to where I can pay for shoes for the kid up the street. Maybe I could even pay for his schooling. Maybe I could even help him get some clean drinking water, help him get into a nicer house, create jobs that someday he can come work at the business that I built and buy his own shoes. Maybe his parents can come work at the business that I built and buy their own shoes. You know, maybe I can help to take care of a church where his parents can come and then they find Jesus. And, you know, if they're being abusive, if they're out to lunch, if they're out drinking and getting high uh, every night, and that's why you know, he doesn't have shoes, you know, all of a sudden they find Jesus and they stop doing that stuff. And maybe they get a job. You know, that's the alternative. That is the Republican vision for what to do about these things. Right. And that actually, that, that not only is that compassionate, that is holistic. That's not just Band-Aids on cancer. Right. Uh, you know, you can you can pluck heartstrings all you want. You can hold up uh, deceptive pictures that are outdated. They're actually from the Obama years to make it look like uh, Republicans and Donald Trump and America is the devil. Uh, you can do that all you want to try and force feed America uh, self-destructive policies that are that are actually, I think, even intentionally self-destructive uh, because of all the self-loathing uh, you can do that all you want but that's not actually compassionate you know committing suicide culturally nationally economically uh, because we've we've bought the lie uh, of jealous others and of tyrants around the, the world who were tired of their people you know wanting to build boats out of trash to get here to get away from them so they could have some freedom so their children could have some freedom you know we bought or, or some of us did I don't buy the lie uh, bought the lie that that those tyrants were that their propaganda was the truth right uh, I think the the really truly compassionate thing is to recognize why it is that uh, people from all over the world want to come to America. It's not because we're racist. It's not because we're oppressive. It's not because we're uh, you know, these evil monsters. It's because we have a, an economic, cultural, political stability that they and their countries do not have. And we do well to look to uh, keeping and maintaining that uh, or else, uh, what country are those people going to go to next? You know, uh, 
you know, I think also too, I mean, Romans 13, uh, you can read it several different ways. You know, my dad's family that they were Mennonite. Uh, a lot of them still, I think, carry some uh, pacifist uh, attitudes and tendencies and, and all of that. Even, even myself, you know, that there are some, uh, there's some baggage there. Uh, you know, the ones that are still Mennonite that are still pacifist, maybe would object to my saying, you know, baggage, referring to the pacifism as baggage. But uh, one of the things on which I find uh, I disagree, the more that I really am diligent in, in considering it, uh, studying it, is uh, the passage of Romans 13. Because you know, Mennonites are historically famous, even back to the very beginning, for not believing that Christians should have any involvement in uh, you know, government, the civil government. They shouldn't serve in the military. Part of this had to do with you know, the, the wars between Christian states in Europe, between Protestant and Catholic countries and areas. You had, uh, you know, one government, one military over here that objects to and calls anathema or antichrist. This other one over here because this one's Catholic, that one's Protestant. And so it, it seems to me as though the Mennonites, their solution to that was, well, we're just not going to be, we'll, we'll bypass that whole problem by just not getting into government, not getting into the military, and adopting nonviolence. Because this is wrong that one Christian would go to war against another Christian, would murder and oppress another Christian. So that we don't believe that Christians should have any involvement in government or the military, or use force at all to defend themselves even, uh, et cetera. And so that's, yeah, that's where the, the pacifism came from. And so even, I mean, there's no, there's no reasoning with that when it comes to MS-13 and terrorists. You can't even say, hey, MS-13 and terrorists, uh, ISIS, they want to come into this country and murder us and kill us and rape us and all that. And the pacifist who follows that tradition uh, we'll say, well, yeah, I can read back through hundreds and hundreds of years of people that believed, as I do, uh, submitting themselves to that, submitting their families to that, and, and not violently resisting it because they believed that that was uh, the, the biblical thing to do. And if that's your conviction, you, you know, listeners, uh, you know, I, uh, I disagree. I think you're, you're mistaken. Let's talk about that. One of these episodes, pacifism. Uh, yeah, but for everybody else, uh, you know, Romans 13, I just want to touch on this real briefly. It says that the governing authority does not bear the sword for nothing. And his duty, his obligation is, uh, and it's, it's a God-given mission. He's a minister of God. And his job is to punish the evildoer and to reward those who do good. That's his job. That's his mandate. And from that, I believe we can derive uh, a truth about government as it should be, civil government on earth as it should be. And that is that the government has two roles primarily. And you know, we can debate about what else it should be uh, doing another day. But at a bare minimum, the government should be protecting its people from foreign invaders. So, for instance... Uh, if you are <clears throat> uh, France and Germany invades, 
with with tanks and uh, you know all that blitzkrieg stuff. <clears throat> the French government has a responsibility. The French military has a responsibility to uh, turn back that invasion. Uh, you know, also Romans thirteen, the the governing authority doesn't bear the sword for nothing. Uh, if someone breaks into my house, they're trying to rob me, and they're trying to beat me, and they're trying to hurt my wife and my children and kidnap us or whatever. They're trying to murder us. Uh, you know, if if a police officer is driving by, he sees this happening, or if I'm able to get a call into 911 or my wife is able to get a call into 911, say, hey, help, please. Uh, the governing authority Biblically speaking, in God's economy, has a responsibility to to wield that sword for a purpose, and that purpose is to punish the evildoer and to do good to those who are doing right. If I'm sleeping in my bed, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing that night. It's my bed. It's my house. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Somebody breaks in. They're trying to hurt me, trying to hurt my family. They are the evildoer. They are the wrongdoer. Romans 13 says, the governing authority is a minister of God whose role is to punish the evildoer. Now, you can't do that if you have no concept of what evil is. You can't do that if you say uh, the sword is evil itself, right? You can't do that if you say the governing authority is itself evil. There's no legitimate governing authority. Uh, you have to be able to, to define your terms. And again, I think that's a topic for another day. Uh, but at least... For, for my mind, where I'm at right now on this issue is uh, nations have borders for a reason. We should not have open borders. We should not have globalism. I'm against globalism. I believe that nations make sense. Historically speaking, I think there's a lot more order. Uh, and also, too, the nice thing is if you're living in a nation like Venezuela and uh, – you know, and if we do have a policy, and I think we should, we should have a policy where we allow people uh, in some circumstances to come here in an, in an emergency. You know, if a volcano blows up your country or if a communist uh, regime blows up your country or if terrorists, Islamic uh, terrorists blow up your country or whatever, and you're wanting to get away from all that. I think if you're a Christian in the Middle East, uh, you're trying to get your family to a place where they're not going to get beheaded and raped and sold into sex slavery. Uh, I think we should airlift you out of there and bring you here to this country. Uh, now, if you're a, a Muslim terrorist and uh, and you're upset because all of a sudden the, the, the tide of the battle turns and you're not able to defeat the, the current government, I don't think we should bring you to this country. You know, if you're, if you are uh, a gangbanger running a uh, heroin and uh, your face all tattooed up with uh, death threats, to anybody who looks at you funny, and then you're going to cut their head off and leave their decapitated body uh, in the middle of a street as a warning to everybody, uh, I don't think we should let you come into this country. In fact, I think Romans 13 uh, lends uh, a great amount of, of uh, strength to the argument that the government has a responsibility to keep you out with deadly force if necessary, uh, and, and that we should, we should be about that. And nobody... Uh, Sneaking across the country, sneaking across the border with children, you know, because if you just go and kidnap a child or you, you buy a child out of, in slavery or 
or their parents just you know say, hey, here you go, you know, I owe you a favor, and I don't really care for this kid anyway. You know, you you sneak across the border with a, a child, and this has happened by reports that I've read and heard uh, where they find uh, children who have been murdered and left in the desert because they were being used to sneak across the border. And then after that, they had no more purpose to the person that was trying to get into the country. So they were murdered and left. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe for one moment that we should just be reacting emotionally to that kind of stuff. And then pretending like, you know, this is all just mothers and fathers who are, are trying to escape uh, volcanoes and landslides and communists, etc. Uh, there's more to it than that. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, but even in the case of volcanoes, natural disasters, communist dictatorships, etc., uh, you know, we we cannot just be compassionate. We also have to be wise, uh, so that compassion doesn't undo our ability to provide for our own. Uh, you know, I have a responsibility first to my children. Once my children are fed, then I'll, I'll feed the kid up the street if we've got extra. And God willing, we have a system that allows us to have extra and doesn't just take anything surplus and say, you don't have a right to that. That's too much for you. Okay. But anyway, that's all for today. Uh, that was uh, my thoughts on this current uh, crisis of the moment, immigration children being separated from their parents, supposedly by uh, evil Donald Trump and America being racist and all that. Uh, you know, if you disagree, if you think I'm off base, if you think there's more to it that uh, I'm missing, you know, please drop me a line, find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, or you can email me at GarrettMullet at gmail.com. It's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-M-U-L-L-E-T, one T in mullet. If you put two T's in mullet, it'll go to another guy that I'm friends with uh, who is not me, and he'll be confused, and so will you. But uh, he'll probably forward it to me because we have that happen sometimes. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening. God bless. Till next time.